Hello and welcome to Don't Talk About It. I'm your host, Dean D, and I'm here today with my friend, Grace. We're having a little conversation about socially interacting with each other, relationships, um, confrontation or conversation. There's a few things that have really been coming into play with our new norm and finding the new norm. Grace, I would love to have you introduce yourself and maybe tell us where we could uh, read about your insight a little bit if uh, you got any connections through Instagram or web pages, things like that. I uh, would love to have that info. Absolutely. So my name is Grace Theme, and I, Dean and I have known each other for a while through some of his work and some of my work. Um, and I am super excited to be here and have this conversation. In terms of my own work, I run a couple of different blogs, actually. I have some personal writing, and then I have some more political writing. Um, you can find both of them on the web, gracetheme.com. Dean said he'll put it in the comments, so look for it there. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram, at both gracetheme and also at the common theme. Theme is T-H-I-E-M-E. -E. Very fancy. So yeah, I, um, I write mostly about local politics and state politics on my politics site. And then my personal site covers such a weird wide variety of things. So feel free to go look at it. I just wrote an ode to my haircut. You know, it's all over the place. So yeah. Thank you, Grace. I feel it's very important for us to uh, kind of learn a little bit about ourselves, especially since... Uh, you know, right now with our social distancing and spending time at home, um, we're kind of stuck spending more time with ourselves than we have in the past. Totally. And uh, I've also uh, realized um, just the level that the conversation has really changed. And uh, I'm going to use my dad as the first example segueing into this. And uh, I'll kick it back over to you, Grace, and be curious if you have any similar examples and see where the conversation takes us today. So my start to this has to do with setting boundaries and then sticking to boundaries. And for me, that's what I realized with COVID has really changed a lot is before, I was always willing to, I would say, negotiate my comfort level or um, my ability or lack of ability to speak up if there's something happening in a situation that I don't necessarily agree with, um, mainly because of what it might bring. Um, Grace, have you like found anything similar like this that yeah. you're finding yourself no, more confrontational? I, um, I've always been a total conflict avoider. I hate having people mad at me. And so I definitely in past, past moments of life have been much more willing to compromise, much more willing to sort of, yeah, negotiate my comfort level based on other people. And I think that during this time, when I'm thinking not only about my own health, but also I live with my parents, so my parents' health, um, I think it's made me a lot more willing to be like, actually, no, <laughs> uh, this is what needs to happen. And I think in this political moment, too, I've gotten a lot more willing to be like, no, actually, that's racist. Stop saying that. <laughs> um, which I think... E I would like to think that that's something I've always done, but I know that it's not true. And so I think that the both these things happening at once has sort of cross 
pollinated. Like I've become more willing to put my foot down in both scenarios. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, the situation that I'm in as well, where I work in a completely different demographic than I would say the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with uh, senior healthcare uh, mostly, so I am in uh, the sensitive demographic. And so I not only think about my interactions, I think about where I'm going after those interactions. And you mentioned something about politics, and it reminds me how we have always not talked about politics because politics are uncomfortable and now we're in a time where everything is uncomfortable and it's the start of the conversation now so like politics um for example i'm going to bring up my dad if i were to go over to my dad's house he and i are polar opposite politically and um it was always something that we could just sweep under the rug. I knew my dad felt differently, um, but it never really directly affected me. So it was a way that I could just set this conversation aside. And my dad and I had, you know, a great experience as long as that never came up in topic. However, now that conversation has to be there because obviously my dad and I feel very different about mass and this is going to be a little long-winded grace so hang in there uh but what what had happened is it made me feel like the level of investment was not there and it's really made me question a lot of my relationships um are are these superficial are we really interacting with people at the surface level and keeping all those uncomfortable elephants in the room like off to the side because what happened recently is I have not seen my father since Christmas and uh, he had asked to come over and I am totally fine with that. However, you will park in the driveway, come through the garage, we can sit out back, we will socially distance and I expect both of us to wear a mask because we don't have a seating area that's, I would say, far enough for us to really be my comfort level and in doing so my dad instantly got defensive he said what's your problem you're blowing this all out of proportion and everything came directly back to me and it was like I do not want to compromise with you or I do not agree with how you feel however it's always been my dad's philosophy that it's my house my rules and if you're going to come over you are going to abide by my rules and this has been kind of the same way for me. So I told my dad, I would be more than willing to have you over. However, you've been traveling all over the place, um, some far, some close, between counties, between states. And in order for you to come over, I need you to socially distance for two weeks. Because one of the questions that I get when I go to work is, have you interacted with anybody outside of the state? Or do you know anybody um, who has been traveling. And if I say yes to either of those, then, then I'm at question might not be able to keep my, my job for that duration until I socially distance. So I asked my dad if he would socially, um, quarantine himself for, you know, two weeks after coming back from all his travels. And in doing so, he can really come over and we can both feel comfortable about this. 
And needless to say, or what I really want to share is that my dad still has not been over because he told me that I am not going to change my life for you. Mm -hmm. And it just made me realize how on a great scale, back to politics, we don't talk about politics. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. And how so many of us, even though we are physically mature and maybe intellectually intelligent, we might not be emotionally mature. And I realize how not talking about the uncomfortable, especially in my family for so long, has really lacked us the skills to have a conversation without instantly going zero to, you know, a hundred. It's, it's like, why does every conversation have to be a confrontation? It's not a personal attack. It's trying to find our boundaries and, and find a place where neither of us has to have this lurking over our head for the visit. So I've been like really surprised, especially with um, my parents and some of my close friends, just over the lack of energy and effort they are willing to put in to have a better relationship. I mean, Grace, how do, how do you feel about this? I'll let you have the microphone again. Totally. I actually have two main thoughts about this. The first one is that when it comes to politics, I think that this is a great moment to remember that while politics has been something that we've been able to sweep under the rug, that a lot of the political issues that are hot topic issues and uncomfortable to talk about are things that really, really do impact the lives of people in other communities. And so I think about it like one of the biggest political arguments that I tend to get in is over immigration. And like, I've worked in immigration and I've spent time in and around those communities. And so for me, it's like, I can see the way that these policies are directly impactful. And so I think in the same way that we talk about this lack of consideration for others with masks, it's like, we are asking you politically to make some very small changes in order to dramatically increase other people's like quality of life. I don't know. I just think that it really, I think about it with the Black Lives Matter thing too, that like we as white people do have this tendency to get really defensive. And it's like, we're not asking you to lessen your life. We're just asking for hell, you know, like asking you to extend the same sort of courtesy that you extend to fellow white people to everyone else. And that I think that level of defensiveness that people tend to cling onto is really similar that it feels like as soon as I bring up, oh, hey, actually that thing that you're saying is like maybe a little bit racist, is like people immediately get defensive. And it's like, no, no, this wasn't actually an attack on you necessarily as a person. Sometimes it is, but usually it's not. Usually, you know, you're like, hey, just so you know, like maybe we shouldn't say that. And the fact that people immediately get defensive about it, I don't know, it just strikes me as being a really similar attitude. So I think it's been really interesting to see those two things happening side by side of you have so, so much defensiveness in both political arenas and pandemic arenas, which have somehow become political arenas. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess I don't have a fully formed point about that because I just thought of it, but I'm finding it an interesting connection. I'll think about it and come back to it. 
<laughs> Sounds great, Grace. And yeah. I, I, I really feel like that level of pol- politics is really that level of uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and I, I do. I think I, th- I think it's a lot of times the same. It's that something that you know has been there, but maybe you don't want to admit is there. I think about this a lot with um, with the question of racism, right? Especially for older generations. It's like, we've already done this. We've already been through this. And we don't want to admit that we know that there is still a problem. And I think that the pandemic has worked in a lot of the same ways of people just don't want to admit that it's real because it's scary. And they don't want to admit that it's going to change their life a little bit and so you sort of have this idea of like well if I can just turn a blind eye and with the racism problem it's like well yeah as an older white male you can just turn a blind eye and that's not gonna affect you at all and I think that people are starting maybe slowly to realize that you can't do that same thing with the pandemic like you can try and ignore it but it it might come back to bite you and I think I don't know I think we're just so used to being able to think well if it doesn't affect me personally I can just ignore it. That people are t- trying to apply that same logic here and it's not it's not working. Absolutely because it's it in I Grace is that's such a great point. It, I I mean really we have turned the mirror everywhere except onto ourselves. And I I know like with me a lot of times when I find myself being confrontational instead of conversational it's usually linked to two things. The first one for me is judgment. I feel like I offended somebody or I did something wrong or maybe I didn't reflect on myself enough. And so the first time that I start to get confrontational, it's usually because I'm being defensive because I feel like I offended somebody and that wasn't my intention. And so all of a sudden now I've just got to like dig in harder. And the other reason I would say is because so many of these topics, like you're talking about racism and, um, and the whole patriarchy of the system, <laughs> yeah. um, they are topics that I think do a couple things. Is one, they really make us look at the uncomfortable. And how many conversations are we having day to day with our family that are now uncomfortable or with our friends that are now uncomfortable. Like, for example, I got invited to a winery last Friday and I told my friend that I'm not doing big social groups. Um, They were more than welcome to swing by before the winery and, you know, we can have a visit outside or, um, but I just was not avoiding or I was avoiding big groups. And um, it just really turned into ignorance, mm-hmm. not ignorance, but ignorance mm-hmm. is I felt like I just got ignored after that. It's like, that's something I don't want to talk about. That's something that's uncomfortable. Let's put that back in the trunk. We'll lock it up. And then I'm going to call you a week later and I'm going to pretend like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And once again, we're back to the same conversation and it kind of is like if there is something that's uncomfortable it makes me look at myself which is one thing that I you know maybe don't want to do I don't want to look at myself and confront those things because accountability is hard change is hard and the second thing too is 
I can feel like when you're looking at these topics on uncomfortable, you are also acknowledging, I feel like subconsciously, how uncomfortable you actually might be in this situation. And instead of saying, oh, there's like maybe a little something here, I'm going to kind of scratch at that for a minute. It's like, ooh, that hurt a little bit, put a bandaid on it and just like cover it up and let's just ignore it. And so I feel like this is, especially the social interactions, has really forced us to live our day-to-day lives in a very, very uncomfortable, politicized topic. And I think it really shows um, on a grand level what level we are willing to invest into our relationship, what level we actually think about others and how our actions affect more than just self and what possibly the consequences of those actions might be. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, I know that there's a chance or a really good chance that after this, I might have a lot smaller friends list because I'm feeling like the people that I want to invest in are the ones that are willing to invest back into me. And I don't know if I want to continue those relationships that are like that surface level, the, the feel good, you know, the, the friend who asks you to show up because they want six couples at their dinner party, not because they want you at their dinner party. Heaven forbid the numbers be unbalanced. <laughs> right? So, I mean, I don't know, Grace. I mean, there's, there's a lot there, but... Um, what are some of the interactions you're having with your friends and your family that are different than prior to COVID? Definitely. Okay, I'm going to take us back to our previous point for one more comment because I feel like it's really important that to make sure that we recognize that it is important that we are all having these uncomfortable conversations right now and there are a lot of people who've been having these uncomfortable conversations for a long time. And so I think that there is sort of this like, oh my gosh, these, I'm having all these uncomfortable conversations and everything is so politicized. And I can say, I can speak to it as a girl, that there are aspects of my life and aspects of my day-to-day existence that are uncomfortable and are politicized always. And like this level of, do I say something? Do I not say something? Where are my boundaries? Like, where do I put my foot down? Like, it's gonna be awkward if I like say no here, but I also don't want this to happen. (laughs) Like that is a situation and a type of conversation that I think women everywhere have been reckoning with and having for a long time. Um, I think too, I think about this racially as well, that for a lot of people, it's like these conversations about civil rights, these conversations about police violence aren't new. And they've been having conversations about this in communities, having conversations about racism in the workplace, forcing the issue. And it's always been something that we, I as a girl, will force the issue. And then the people that I'm talking to, usually men, get to decide whether to sweep it under the rug or not. And so I think having these conversations where it's such a big part of our public discourse that you can't sweep it under the rug anymore is the important distinction. That like, it's not that these conversations haven't been happening. It's just that all of a sudden you can't ignore them anymore. And I think it's been really interesting for me to watch that happen on so many different levels. And I think you can really see, especially older white men, getting super defensive about it because it's like they've never had a situation where they couldn't just ignore it and let it go away before which 
I'm just going to say as a young girl is hilarious to me, like just so really. Um, but, but it's been, I think, important for those, for all of us to have to reckon with that same kind of uncomfortable, do I bring this up and maybe get judged? Do I bring this up and maybe get shut down? Do I bring this up and then maybe have someone force this to happen anyways? Like, would it be better if I just never said anything? Like, there's so many, I think, like, consent topics around this pandemic that are so intertwined with the conversations that women have been having for a long time. So that's my thoughts on that. Moving on to your second question. We can let that rest now. I'm done. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. I, I definitely think you have, I fully agree with you though, is there have been conversations for quite a while that have been happening. Mm-hmm. And you can see day to day, the people who I would say are willing to talk about the mass and so, social mm-hmm. interaction and how they're going to socially interact with people because they're maybe a little more used to being uncomfortable. Yeah. And that is such a great point. I I really see the level of defensiveness Mm -hmm. come out based on the level that people either are accepting or refusing to acknowledge their discomfort Mm -hmm. or acknowledge the fact that the world has changed Mm -hmm. and you can't ignore the fact that the world has changed. Even if you hike table rock at seven o'clock every morning and you've done it your whole life and you continue to do it, it doesn't change the fact that the way you get there, how you get there, everything has changed. So Mm -hmm. definitely great point, Grace. Some people are more comfortable in having these conversations and have been having them for a while. And that really, really shows. Mm -hmm. So like, what are some of the tips or what are some things you're doing? Like if you were to call and interact with a friend Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, have somebody over to your house, how are you sticking to your boundaries? And maybe how are you challenging some of your uncomforts? So it's been interesting. I definitely find that during this pandemic, I have been really aware. Okay, I'm on social media, obviously. I can see what my friends are doing, or at least what they're doing in public on social media. And I've been very aware of which of my friends are socially distancing and which ones aren't, like who's been out with a bunch of people. And I keep that in mind for when people contact me because I think as as sort of immediately mean it makes me feel if someone asks me if they want to hang out and I know that you were out with a bunch of people because I saw it on Instagram I'm automatically kind of like maybe not like yeah sorry but you know I'm living with my parents I'm really trying to honestly that's become my best excuse like it allows it to allows me to shift the blame away from myself which is kind of what we're just talking about but being able to say actually I'm living with my parents and I'm really concerned about their health like I'm not socializing in large groups I'm not socializing people who haven't been distancing well blah 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 is a way for me to say that without it feeling quite so much like I don't want to see you which is not what I'm saying anyways like I would love to see those people but I think if it was just me and if it was just me saying actually I don't want to see you because I'm concerned about my own health which shouldn't be any different but it does feel different and so I think being able to say I'm concerned about my parents health has been a really nice out for me um it's like the word choice yeah it is super important Mm -hmm. I mean people who can articulate their their 
feelings and facts better seem to have um, less confrontation and more conversation. Yeah. Like you made a really good point about how I don't want to come. Well, I don't want you over here because of my parents. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's, I mean, they're in a sensitive demographic. Totally. They, they're, you found common ground amongst your friends, mm-hmm. um, without making it like a personal attack towards them. Right. Like you've been irresponsible and I don't want to see you. Um, totally. And then I also, I've been really trying, okay. I, as I said, I'm a total conflict avoider. I also do not like bringing up hard conversations. Like I, Oh man. Like I've been in situations where I've literally had to sit there and like psych myself up for like 10 minutes. You got to give me an example of that. You can't say something like that without an example. What is it? Like what, like what comes to mind when you're like, okay, I've been in this really uncomfortable situation. Now I'm just sitting here. Like, what do I do? I think about it mostly in terms of like relationship conversations where if you're like, I really want to ask about this thing because like, I feel like we're not on the same page about this and I'm kind of mad, but like, I don't want to bring it up because then it's going to be like an argument. And so I seriously have sat in the car and been like passenger seat sitting there being like, just say it, just open your mouth and say it. Grace, you can do this. Just count to three. You're going to say it. And it's taken me like miles, like literally miles to like get up the courage to be like, Hey, so you know that conversation we had last night? Do you think maybe we could revisit that? (laughs) (laughs) So can I put you on the spot again? Yeah. What is it that makes you sit there for miles? Like, and what I mean is, is it the, like, the fear of the response of the reaction? Is it the fact that um, you just don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation? Or is it that maybe you felt differently today than you did last night? Um, I would say, what is like, what's the driving force that like kind of keeps you sitting there for that long? I think most of it is the fear of reaction, which maybe says something about my past relationships. I don't know. But, um, I think I really, really, really hate it when people are mad at me. I really hate it. And so bringing something up that you know is going to be an uncomfortable conversation or you know that you disagree about feels like you're opening yourself up for someone to be mad at you, which, um... I have put this on my list of things to look for in future relationships. Can have hard conversations with no fear. But um, I guess because of that, because of this fear of people being mad at me, I've been really thinking about the way that I interact with people surrounding these boundaries because I know that I don't like to bring up hard topics. And so I've made a serious conscious effort to when getting together with people, make sure to ask them about their boundaries ahead of time so that, that way they don't have to be the one to bring it up. Great point. So so like asking somebody about their boundaries ahead of time is a way for you to just like not sit with that uncomfortableness. Totally. And also not force them into the uncomfortable position of having to confront me and ask me to change my behavior. So, so what, what does that look like? Like I would, you know, my, I would say my approach tends to be a little different, mm-hmm. um, obviously because the work I'm in and it's mm-hmm. a financial effect. So I would say like you have this kind of happy medium ground where you're totally. using your word choice. You're asking about things prior to visiting and, um, where I just kind of have like a text message saved in my photos <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like, we love your company under these conditions. 
And so when everyone, right. whenever somebody wants to come by, um, it's like, oh yeah, um, I would love to have you over. These are my conditions. And I, I start with that. I start with those boundaries. And um, I, I kind of feel like you said fear of reaction, mm-hmm. which I think is great, but it also reminds me a little bit of fear of vulnerability. And it, it, you see the people who are more comfortable being vulnerable are the ones who are more comfortable putting themselves out there first. Totally, which is not me. Um, but I do, for me, when I, when I approach these conversations, so I have sort of baseline, these are the things that I require in order to see you. And mostly that's if we're going to be inside, we're going to wear a mask. If we're outside, we're going to make sure that we sit far apart. Um, and then, and we're not going to get in the car together because that seems gross. But um, beyond that, so then the way that I usually approach that conversation is I'll say, if someone says, hey, Grace, want to hang out? I'll be like, yeah, here, here are the social distancing measures that I'm taking. Are there any additional measures you'd like me to take in order to have this conversation? And then that way it gives them a chance to say, actually, yeah, I know that we're going to be outside, but could we still wear masks? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know? And so by opening the conversation with that question, Mm -hmm. it allows people to give you their, their requirements without it seeming like they're being like, actually, I need you to do this, you know? And, um, you also have a way of being like inclusive mm -hmm, with people where mm -hmm. it's like, these are my boundaries. Is there anything else? Totally. So it, 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 you almost start with a conversation where I, I, I thinking about this now, I tend to start with more of like a, almost the business model approach. (laughs) Like, you know, if, if these are the rules on the door, we're like Costco. So (laughs) I, I, I really like the fact that you bring people into the conversation right away Mm -hmm. and I'm trying I've actually been really thinking a lot because I haven't dealt with conversations this way I guess this intentionally before and so I'm starting to really think about other scenarios in which I could apply that same sort of logic and I I think about it as like as a society we would be so much less ableist Mm -hmm. if we approach things this way like hey here here's the safety or accessibility or whatever like regulations that we have in place is there anything additional that you know you need in order to feel comfortable in this situation like wow it would make people feel so i think so much more invited and like it would make us seem a lot more accepting of other people's additional needs where i think a lot of times right now it's sort of like if you ask then you're being a burden you know yeah it's almost like a way of instilling value into Mm -hmm. somebody right away Mm -hmm. and because i feel like one of the things that's happening right now is i don't i don't know about everybody listening but i know i personally feel like nobody cares about me a little bit in in the in the sense that like you know, I've been waiting on this, waiting on that, like lost the job. Like, I mean, all these like, you know, I have people who were supposed to buy a house, friends of mine, and now they're not. And it's like everybody is almost like feeling from the some of the interactions I've had, like they're like they're not important or they're not. But what it really is, is they're not valued. Totally. And I think in a big picture way, I was talking to one of my friends last night because I was saying I was going to come be on this podcast and I was really excited. And I was like, so Daniel, is there anything that you like think that I should say? You know, like you got anything that you want the world to hear? And we were talking about it like from a, you know, a 20 somethings perspective. And he was like, honestly, just that like civil society 
and this administration has fucked us over and we're mad about it. Like, I think, and I, I think it goes back to that, like not feeling valued, but especially as young people who don't have the savings, don't have that, like we do not have the financial stability to really be solvent in a time like this. And so to be, to feel like you're, government and your neighbors and all the people who are like, I don't need to wear a mask, like whatever, or people are getting paid more on unemployment than they are on their real job. Like, this is not fair. Like all of that sort of starts to feel like, wow, you really don't give a shit if I live or die. Like (laughs) you do not care. And I think that in a big picture way, that's that feeling of being like, my life feels really devalued if no one seems to care about how I'm making it through this pandemic moment like my physical health sickness wise and then also like I'm job hunting right now it's a tough economy you know and so starting to look at that like this pandemic and the longer it goes on is really affecting my ability to like get off the ground and like take my next career step and it's just putting me in kind of this weird limbo and I think that amongst my friends I'm 24 So I think amongst my like recent grad friends, there is sort of this feeling of like, our lives are just being put on hold and being actively delayed. Like if you don't have the savings to get through this time, or you do have the savings, but you're unemployed, so you're depleting them. It's like, you're taking steps backwards during this moment. And the longer it drags on, the worse it gets. And so I think all the people who are unwilling to take this seriously and take active steps to get this salt quickly it does sort of feel like a personal attack it it, that's like a really great point it 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 really is the reaction too that it is a personal attack Mm -hmm. and so if you're not feeling valued whether it's from your job from your government from your family from your friends there's an element of you that is not feeling valued or not feeling heard And that would instantly trigger that reaction of personal attack, defensiveness. Like, I don't want to talk about one more uncomfortable thing. I'm already uncomfortable enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talked to a friend of mine who's been a longtime massage therapist. And, you know, last month he had to make the, the decision between selling his pickup truck or, you know, paying for his mortgage. And, um, you know, people just instantly, a lot of times do what I kind of call the apply all. And it's, it's like everybody on unemployment is making an extra $600. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, there's an article in the paper and there's things that talk about that, but what isn't being said or what isn't being heard is the fact that there's people who have been waiting 12 weeks and are still getting you're under review like and this those friend last of unemployment checks just went out on friday absolutely like, i mean i've been now what? Yeah. you know <laughs> it, it, it is like you know not having the money it's like now I'm, I'm i'm having to have these uncomfortable conversations and like avoidance is so apparent it kind of reminds me of like a bad marriage of how you know have somebody who's been asking you for years we need to work on this we need to go to counseling you just mm-hmm. want to avoid you just want to avoid and then like once the divorce papers hit you then it's like okay 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 i'm willing I, okay i'll work on it now it's and, like too little too late people <laughs> right and, and so i i feel like there's so many people that just are willing to put the uncomfortable stations the com- uncomfortable conversations in the box sorry getting a little excited in my speech <laughs> and the people who are willing to pull those uncomfortable conversations 
out of the box, put them on the table, discuss them, and discuss them with the proper demeanor or attitude, which is, I'm uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable, we both feel, you know, devalued in some Mm -hmm. way, or maybe we both feel empowered in some way to stand our ground. Mm -hmm. But regardless, especially with friends and family, we have to find a way to get common ground to talk about this. And, you know, and avoiding it is not going to make it go away because obviously this is not going away anytime soon. Right. Um, So, I mean, with all the changes that have occurred, I would say my biggest change is just how much you have to put those uncomfortable conversations on the table in order to really invest into your marriage or your relationships. You know, it's, I, I, I have a friend of mine who is very, um, uh, I would say susceptible, uh, low white blood cell count. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I haven't seen, seen them in, you know, six months and, we for a while didn't speak because they thought that I was avoiding them and I thought that they were just like upset with me until we talked about it and it almost reminds me of this little podcast I listened to the other day on the daily and it was great it was about this little girl whose grandpa died and that wasn't great but what was great is she was talking about how The hardest thing for her was each of her parents being in a separate room crying. She was crying. And then all of them kept it to themselves. Totally. And she realized that when they all hugged each other and started crying together, they had common ground to talk about. They all felt better. And it's like, do we really want to lock ourselves in separate rooms right now? Or do we want to go to the family room? And start having a conversation without throwing things at each other. And I think, too, I think a lot of it is sort of a pride thing. I think about this with grief and I think about this with being uncomfortable. That in this moment where a lot of us are much more vulnerable, either physically, financially, whatever, it's hard to admit that. It's hard to admit that, um, that I'm uncomfortable and I... I'm going to bring it up. Like you have to admit to a certain amount of vulnerability. And I think that that's something that oftentimes people aren't willing to bring to the table because you don't want to seem weak, you know? And how many aspects of your life maybe force you to do that where it's like, if there's something like, for example, if there's something with my job or there's something with this restaurant, like Mm -hmm. I can walk away from it. Like I don't have to deal with it. And your son who feels differently or your daughter who feels differently, like that's something you're going to have to deal with because if not, you're going to have a huge devastating impact onto the relationship. So it makes me really realize um, how much avoidance can really fester. Yes, definitely. And I think too that we're dealing with issues that aren't like I said, like aren't sleep under the ruggable, you know, there, it's not a job that you can quit. It's not a, you know, a restaurant you can never go back to. It's something that's your physical life and safety. And so I think that in a situation where we don't like to be vulnerable in any scenario, but especially when it comes to, I have to admit that I'm getting old and I'm vulnerable. 
in this moment. And like, that's really hard. So I think, I think, yeah, I think avoiding, avoiding things always makes them worse. But I think in this scenario, you can definitely see the ways that as a society, us avoiding this has like demonstratively obviously made it worse. And I think that it's a good sort of, I mean, a bad, but a good big picture lesson to be able to look at this and say, yeah, remember that pandemic? That's what happens when you avoid things. Yes. Oh, great. Great end point. Uh, and, and yeah, and I want to thank you for being on the show today. Um, and your vulnerability on this show as well to openly discuss these things, I, I think is great because anytime you put yourself out there, I mean, it goes out on the internet, it's there, anybody can listen to you, anybody can comment, and it is a, a form of vulnerability. So I just want to absolutely say thank you for that. What I will leave um, the rest of you with is this. Conversation or confrontation. Being vulnerable to topics is going to be here whether you want to have those conversations or not. I feel like moving forward, this pandemic is either going to be an opportunity to learn and grow both on a national level, on a family level, on a relationship level. Do we want to dig in and talk about these things with the individuals that we're hanging out with? And some of the questions that I've asked myself that are really hard is some of the people that I am so-and-so called friends with, I don't want to have those conversations. So think about the level investment you're willing to give, but then also know what the consequences are for that. And who knows, maybe you'll have less interactions with your son. Maybe you'll have more interactions with your son. But sweeping something under the rug never gets rid of it. It just really builds the mound in the carpet. So, <laughs> Getting dusty. Getting dusty. Grace, thank you again for your time. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for letting me come and chat with you. I really, I had fun. It was definitely a blast. For the rest of you out there, thank you for your time. Thank you for your ears. And remember, keep it uncomfortable. It's not always going to be that way. And it will get better if you talk about it.